Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. Now, as you can probably tell by my voice, I am not feeling so hot. I am dealing with a bacterial cough, which makes it really hard to speak. So I am going to keep this intro short and sweet. Thankfully, that bacterial cough is going to be handled. I'm on antibiotics and I should be fine in no time. But this week's guest is someone I'm so excited to bring to you today. It is none other than Lindsay Carter, the founder of Set Active. Now, if you have been following this podcast for a while or you follow me on Instagram, you'd have seen me bring up Set Active a million times. It is one of my favorite, favorite workout brands. It's almost exclusively what I wear to the gym. Their fit and styles are just out of this world, like holds you in, contours you, and it's just so chic that it goes so easily from like athleisure, like hike wear, whatever, to if you're going out with friends, you just throw a blazer on top and it just looks so chic. So love this brand. And I love Lindsay. She is a really, really badass founder. And shout out to Dear Media. Because of this podcast, we've become friends and I really love her. She is super, super inspirational. And in this episode, we discuss everything from how she took set from you know, baby to what it is today, which is really a cult favorite brand, which is worn by all kinds of celebrities. Like I rarely go a day without seeing set kind of on my social media, like, you know, on the front pages of a magazine or what have you. So she's really done a fantastic job with the marketing and really the product speaks for itself. Like, I don't think that you can get to where you are with just good marketing and a shit product. Like her product is fantastic. Um, Lindsay is also a mom and I'm really excited to bring you this episode so close to Mother's Day because it's really inspirational to hear from an entrepreneur who's also a mom. She has a little baby Ace who's so cute and um, we talk about how she balances both and I think her spirit and excitement about both motherhood and entrepreneurship is just so inspiring and refreshing and motivational that you guys will just love hearing from her. So I'm excited to bring this conversation and I hope you love Lindsay as much as I do. So let's give her a warm welcome to the Dream Bigger podcast. So Lindsay, the first question I always ask my guests is what was your big dream when you were growing up? Depends what age you're asking me. Any age. Like, I don't care if you tell me, like, your first memory or, like, in high school or middle school when you started having, like, more serious ideas. So that has been an evolution. My family who's listening, probably listening to this podcast, is probably going to start laughing their ass off because... (laughs) 
So backstory, my mom used to, my mom's no longer with us, but when she was alive, she, my parents were divorced. She was Mm -hmm. dating a bunch of different people. She was dating this guy who was always fixing our sink. So in my (laughs) head, I thought that he was a plumber, but like, he really was just like a guy, like a contractor. I don't know. Yeah. But I thought he was a plumber and he was so hot. And so in kindergarten, I think I had this crush on him and our teachers did this project where it was like, tell mommy what you want to be when you grow up. And I said, plumber. Stop it. (laughs) So in kindergarten, I wanted to be a plumber. Don't know. I mean, I do know why I said that, but it didn't translate well. So funny. At one point, I wanted to be a marine biologist. At one point, I wanted to own my own hair salon. Okay. Um, And then at one point, I wanted to run a like daycare slash coffee shop called Nanny 210. Um, That is smart but a lot goes into that oh, yeah. and that is why I was like I mean a lot goes into set too but I but mean, I love that name nanny 210 <laughs> there was just a lot of liability and all like it was just like the list went on I did the research for it and I was like I think I'm biting off more than I can chew I'm trying to think of what else I wanted to be a teacher I went to school to be a teacher actually and here I am running an athleisure brand so how does a marine biologist teacher plumber <laughs> dream go from that to founding set? And I, I've like looked a little bit into your story and I know that you were trying to fill this gap that you saw in the athleisure market, which I think, by the way, like as a set fan, you've done very successfully. But why don't you tell our audience a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I just named all these things I wanted to be. And I think I realized that at the end of the day, it was an entrepreneur. Yeah. I, I started... I started to really see that dream and that vision when I was post-college or maybe I was in college during the summer and this family who's very near and dear to my heart, I actually named my son's middle name after her son. I used to be her nanny and like one summer I was like, you know what? I know the kids don't have like summer camp this summer and I just like, I want to do my own camp. I'm going to call it Lindsay Camp and I did an itinerary and I hired friends and I had like 13 campers and I like really loved doing that. And so then I started to like do other things of like, I want to start this and I want to start this. And then, I mean, I could go all over the place, but long story short, after college, my uncle was like, look, I have this opportunity in Vancouver, Canada. Do you and Garrett, who's my husband, want to go like learn about sales and starting a business and you guys are going to live there and it's going to be hard work, but I think it'll be a really cool experience for you guys. And so we said, yes, we didn't really have anything lined up after school for us. And so we moved to Canada. You know, I'm Canadian, months. right? I do. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> um, so we moved to Vancouver, which by the way, is one of my all-time favorite places. And really learned like kind of just how to start a business and what it takes. So and what was this? Was it like a course or like were you working somewhere? Like what, I what was, was working it? at a startup. Oh, it was cool. it was a company that basically made like SEO websites for brands and businesses. That is a smart place to work. Yeah. So I I worked there. I hated working for people. I mean, I hated working for people. Same. I didn't like being told what to do. And my ideas didn't align with their ideas. And it was just like this, this whole thing. And so I just realized like, if I don't want to work for other people, but I need to make a living, then I need to be my own boss. Mm -hmm. So how can I be my own boss? And then from there I started, I obviously got jobs when I moved home from Vancouver. I worked at NBC Universal, Variety Magazine. I worked for the same boss I was just telling you guys about for Lindsay Camp, but for her trend forecasting company as a social media manager. And I really started to learn about my love for branding and social media and marketing. And so I started my own agency called LA Social. um, And I did branding and marketing for celebrities, brands, management, like you name it, I was doing their branding and marketing. And then I was like, you know what? I had a co-founder. We weren't getting along. We weren't seeing eye to eye. Things started blowing up in the air. And I was like, I don't I don't want to give people my ideas anymore. Like, I want to take my ideas and what I know about strategy and branding and marketing and apply it to something that I am seeing a gap in my own life for. And so I decided one day sitting at a coffee shop, actually Alfred on Melrose Place. I live right by there. I, I mean... I used to go almost every day, but I don't anymore. It's like sick how often I go as well. I I order from there every single morning. It's the best. I love Josh. I love Neg and they're the ones who own Mm -hmm. Alfred. But that's where I, that's where Set was born. That's where the idea was born. 
And that's how I got to where I am now from plumber to this. (laughs) We really went all the way back. All the way. (laughs) So do you feel like your experience in branding and everything that you learned is kind of what allowed set to become what it is? Yeah. I mean, I have to be honest. I think that I've had an understanding about branding and marketing since I was little. I always love seeing like ideas come to life. And I was always like coming up with different ideas to do things or how things should look. Or if I saw something on the internet, I was like, they probably should have done this that way or this way. And I love strategy. Like coming up with strategy is like my favorite. It's like an address. It's it's a drug to me. Like I'm like, you give me a problem I need to solve in branding and marketing and I will tell you how to solve that. And yeah, I mean, I just, that's how, that's how that happened. So tell me about early days of set, because I mean, we'll get into it in a bit about like how you have all these like color drops and whatnot, but what was like V1 like, like, did you just launch with like a couple of different colors? What was that? What was that process? So, I mean, with anything that you do in terms of starting a business, it's never going to go according to plan. What Mm. I intended for set. So first I was like, I want to fill the gap with really cute matching sets, you know, that meets form and function and stylish and cute. And like, you can work out in it, but you can also throw it on with jeans and still look like really cute and put together. And then I was like, but wait, you know, subscription boxes are in. I want to do like a set for the day subscription box where it's like a jump rope, a water, a water bottle and a set. And like you get reoccurring things that have to do with fitness every month that obviously didn't work out. Like my, it kind of bopped all over the place. But my apartment building on Norton Avenue was lined. And I mean lined. I, I had a two floor, two floor, two bedroom apartment in West Hollywood lived with who's now my husband, but was my boyfriend, then my fiance. And I mean, I have to give him a lot of credit because it was basically our warehouse. warehouse. I mean, every wall, I'm talking every wall was lined with boxes of product and labels and this and that. I remember like we looked like, you know, Santa Claus walking down the street to the post office. I've been there. Lugging bags over our shoulders. Yeah, I've been there. And it was like that for a really long time. I mean, just a year and a half ago, we were working from my dining room table, like 10 of us just like crammed at a dining room table. And then finally we got an office in West Hollywood and there's, you know, 28 of us or so. And now we're bursting at the seams there. So we just signed a new lease for a bigger office in Beverly Hills because we just, it's, we're growing so fast and we're trying to keep up and it, it is so hard to keep up. Do you want to start a company but have no idea where to begin? Or do you have dreams of becoming an influencer? Well, the Life with Mariana podcast is here to help. I'm Mariana Hewitt, a Los Angeles-based influencer and co-founder of the Clean Skincare line, Summer Fridays. Each Tuesday, I'm talking to my friends from business owners, wellness experts, and more to share all of their best advice for you to live your best life. Make sure to tune in and subscribe to my podcast and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what's coming up each week so you don't miss an episode. So let's go back. I know that you decided to not go with the subscription box idea, but what what did stick? Like you were doing the sets, which mm-hmm. like you, of course, like you still have, you're known for that. But like how many colors, like what did you decide? Like even just from like a technical perspective, like what you could afford to do at that time? And like what, what were those like early, early decisions? Well, I was $20,000 in credit card debt. Oh, fun. Because I wasn't working while starting this. And I like really believed in myself. And Mm -hmm. I was like, this will take off. There's no one doing this. There's no one dropping colors like in a different drop. And there's no one attaching a storyline to these colors and, you know, creating a community my whole life. Like I was a soccer player. I played volleyball. I did every sport you could imagine. You would think that I felt like I belonged, Mm -hmm. but I just never felt a part of something. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, the first cult-like brand came out, SoulCycle. And it was like, everyone became obsessed with it when it first came out. And I was like, well, I don't really connect here either. And I was like, I have to create something that other people who I'm sure feeling the way that I am, want to connect. And so that was like also the first thing that I 
needed to do. And I always talk about this. I made a TikTok video about it. A lot of people ask community first or product first. And I started community first. Really? So I brought people along the journey of starting set. Mm. I still have followers who have followed me since day one, since I was selling sample bras through Venmo off my Instagram. Really? Who are now still set customers to this day, four years later. And yeah, I mean... I started community first. I walked, I, I told people I was what I was doing. I posted inspo pics on the Instagram. Like I didn't wait for product to come to get the company going. I started with community. That is really smart because we've leaned really heavily on our community as well. And I'm totally with you, by the way. I think community is what keeps a brand going. It's like they'll keep coming back if they feel engaged with the brand and like kind of invested in your personal story. So I think it's smart. But we actually started sharing like, like, at the beginning stages of the business once it was like already in like in form, you know what I mean? So I think it's really cool that you were sharing like even prior to that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so important to like have transparency with your business Mm. and people want to know how their stuff is made. People want to know the behind the scenes. They want to see who's taking care of their product, who's talking to them through Instagram. Like the more you can connect, the more there's human interaction, the more you're connected, you're going to feel to the product. A hundred percent. So you guys have like exactly like the soul cycle effect, you have that cult following now. But how did you start to build the hype around the brand? Because like this really is a product that I can't stop seeing. And like, I mean, I I know that once you buy the product, which was in my case, like I bought the product, could not shut up about it, told everyone about it, bought like four different colors. I mean, I'm shopping as soon as your Aspen collection drops. So like, how did you even get the ball rolling there. I think what at the time, this is four and a half years ago, almost five, in the early stages of the idea of set, when I started talking about it and telling people about it, I I didn't go the route. I remember sitting on my couch and I was talking to a couple of friends and I was like saying to my dad, like, oh, I'm going to need all this money because that's how you market things these days. You gift it to an influencer, then you pay them. And then once you pay them, they post it on their Instagram. And then I was like, no, I don't want to do that. This product speaks for itself. If people like the product, they're either going to buy it or they're going to post about it because they like the product. And that's exactly what happened. I started posting about these bras on my Instagram and people can say like, oh, I was already well connected. I love connecting. I love meeting new people. I love introducing myself. I am the biggest introvert and extrovert you'll ever meet. But when I'm in a room and I want to connect, I will connect. And so I had a lot of people and friends, whether they were social media friends or people I've never met before or people I have met following my Instagram. I didn't have that many followers. I'm going to say maybe 7,000 followers, maybe definitely under 10K. And I started just posting about what I was doing in the process and the products and people started DMing me saying like, oh, I'd love to try that. And I was like, okay, if you try it, can you like write a review or can you post about it? And it kind of was a snowball effect and I didn't require it. If they were asking me for the product, then I asked them back, can you post about it? If they said no, then I was like, okay, well, can you at least let me know what you think about it? And they were like, of course. So that's really how it happened. People started being like, oh my God, I've never felt anything like this. It felt like butter. It feels like butter. And I remember getting all of these DMs back saying like, it feels like butter. So one day I went on Seth's Instagram and I like put just a picture of can't believe it's not butter on the Instagram and like waited an hour. And then people are like, why are you posting about butter? And I was like, because everyone says it feels like butter. And then I started posting all the reviews that it said it feels like butter. And then that started to get people interested because they're like, wait a second, I need to now see what this feels like. So I think by not, you know, attaching a contract or saying you have to do three posts and five story slides and all of these rules and regulations, I think that people were more inclined to reach out and say, I want to try your product. And then it again was a snowball effect. And then I started getting like really big people DMing sets Instagram saying like, I want to try your product. I'll post for you. And to this day, and I need to make this super, super clear we've never paid someone to post about our product. We do work with content creators and we do pay content creators, people who are going out and working and taking photos for the brand, but we've never paid a celebrity or influencer to post about our product. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much to say there because 
similar for us, right? We didn't have marketing budget when we started. We just didn't. Like it was our own money and we were like, we just had enough to put into like manufacturing and like paying our like just like basic, right? And we just sent the product out to people with no requirements, no nothing. And then anytime someone asked to try it, we just send it to them. We never had any posting requirements, nothing. And I think that there's a lot to say there because I think that I speak to like a lot of new founders and they're like, oh, but like if you're just sending out the product, like how do you guarantee and I'm like, you don't you guarantee don't. it's like a write off. Yeah. But if if one person, just one posts about you and they have like a following that's like sizable or like really engaged, that can make all the difference. Yeah. And by the way, it's not always going to be the person with the most followers that's going to influence you. Just engaged. Yeah. yeah. It just needs to be someone who's engaged. But also I remember you're going to get a lot of no's. Like I remember while people were reaching out to us for product, we were also doing product seeding to influencers mm, as well saying mm-hmm. like, Hey, we have this product. We'd love to send it to you. Let me know your size and address. And I remember, I'm not going to name her name, but there was a really, really big influencer at the time. And I thought, I thought, and she might be, she was like the nicest person ever. And we DM'd her and her response back to us was yeah, period for a check period. I was like, okay, well, that's Are you joking? going off of our list. And we never worked with her still to this day. We won't work with her. Yeah, because that's like someone who's just rude like, when you're like a small look, brand and that says volumes. I'm sorry. No, I, yeah, but I get, listen, I get if people get paid to post for product and that's their career. I, I understand how hard it is to run your life as an influencer and like have Instagram be your job. But I mean, she could have said that in a much in nicer, a nicer way. way. And the other thing I will say is that like we've done the same thing, right? Like seatings and sometimes rarely we'll have someone be like, oh, but my focus is just paid, right? And I'm like, that's great. And like, I'm I'm so happy for you. But if you don't even want to accept the gift, if it isn't paid, then like, how is there any potential for me to ever want to pay you? Yeah. Because there's no authenticity. I don't even know if you like my product. Yeah. And you're going to post about it just because I paid you some money. And like some of the biggest people are like, it's just, it's really easy to be kind. That's the thing. Totally. I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I think that there is a way to speak to people. Yeah. And like, it's how I operate my life. I think it's like really like kindness is a core value for me. Because being mean or rude, like, where is that going to get you? You know, like, you can even explain nicely that like, no, I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I can only do something if it's paid. Like, that's that's okay. You know, it's your decision. And then you decide as a brand if that's someone you want to affiliate yourself with. But like, rudeness is like, I have no tolerance for it. No tolerance. That is wild. So I want to switch directions here because you guys do color drops, right? Mm -hmm. And was that just the original concept where you wanted your core colors and then to do all these color drops or like, what was the, what was the idea behind that? I always wanted to do color drops. I remember I started, well, I started with black, red, pink and blue. And they were all named after years. So it was like 03, 87. And at first I was going to name every color to ever drop after like a powerful woman that like in the world and my life and their birth year. I'm telling you, things change when you first start a company. Now, you know, it's obviously evolved into a completely different strategy than that, but it's always been color drops. And the idea behind that was, you know, I'm starting this company. The idea is floor meets function, set anywhere for any day at any time. And I just, I don't know. I I thought that like, if you're going from soul cycle to a brunch, you know, maybe you wanted to change your color. So I thought, okay, then now we need like ever evolving colors and we need to, you know, have them be limited edition because it's going to create the demand. And when you create demand, you, you know, create commotion around the brand and people are like, wait, it's sold out. Now I want it. I want to see what the hype is. I want to see what it's all about. So it was always limited, limited edition color drops from the start. And it still is. So here's what I want to ask you, because I know that there's like, this is, this can be like a double-edged sword and like people can like, there's two different thought processes. One is exactly what you said. And the other is actually like, also can be quite tempting to an entrepreneur, which is like, you know, what if you have a color that's like a real heavy hitter, right? Aren't you tempted to ever bring it back? Yeah. So in like two and a half years later, 
black was always a, a color that we were going to have in stock. I mean, you always need black leggings. You always need black bras. I, black is such a staple color. Totally. And one day we were just strategizing for the year and we introduced our first core collection. And to me, core collection meant like a color that was still like muted neutral vibe that could still go with denim or different things in your closet that were also heavy hitter colors. And then we expanded on that strategy even more like into Black Friday. So for Black Friday, we bring back comeback color drops and we do like the comeback color edition or different things like that. There's so many ways to sprinkle in like a comeback color that did really well for a later marketing initiative. And that's what we started to do. How do you balance listening to your customer and following your vision? Because I'm sure that in a business model like this, like some customers have maybe been upset that uh, like, you know, color sold out before they could get to it. Yeah. I mean, obviously in life, not even in business, it's hard to please everybody. It's hard to please every single one of your friends. It's hard to please every single one of your family members. It's hard to please 400,000 customers. It was a lot easier to get a pulse on what everyone wanted when we had, you know, when we were a smaller scaled company. But now that we're so big, we have to go with majority. And we just try to be as transparent as possible. This is the decision we're making. This is why we're making that decision, you know, For example, a lot of people loved, we started with Seamless. That was our first product, Sculptflex Seamless Leggings. Is that the ribbed one? It's the the one with the ribbing down the side, but there's no seam in the front. Okay. And so a lot of people were requesting to make all of our like fabric family seamless. And it was so overwhelming to the point where we did a poll and a lot of people wanted that option. So we decided to make all of our leggings seamless from like without that front seam. And of course, we had people who were disappointed, but we explained why. And once we explained why, they were like, oh, that makes sense. Like, I'm down to try it. And they tried it and they're like, I love it. We're not going to please everyone. And I think that that's just something we have to be okay with. And then in terms of like my vision and understanding, you know, making sure we're staying on the course of my vision and what the community wants, the community started following me for my vision. And so it's been super rare that my vision has you know, misaligned with the community. So far, four and a half years into this, my vision is still pretty aligned with what the community wants. And it's all about the feedback. If they're like, I want you guys to do puffers, we, you know, we get into a meeting. Does this make sense for us? If it does make sense for us, then how are we going to fit that into the year? And how are we going to strategize that marketing? Is it set? Like, you know, I have so much to say on this, but a big request is leggings with pockets. I'm never going to do leggings with pockets. It's not my style. I I don't, I just, it's just not me. I'm not going to do it. And so there's some things that I do put my foot down on and I'm like, no, that's not why I start. That's exactly why I didn't like started set was because I didn't want the leggings with pockets. I didn't want that runner's look. I wanted the chic effortless on the go vibe. I think it's really important to be clear cut on what your brand is. I think that the more uniform, the more like streamlined it is, the better it'll do. And I think you guys have done that really, really well. Yeah. And it's also so important to stay true to who you are as a brand. And it's okay to pivot and it's okay to change your game plan. But I think it's so important to stay true to like what the brand is and why you started or you're going to confuse your consumer. I have like people that I know who have started companies or brands and they started as one thing and they're definitely now preaching a whole different message. And I'm like, oh man, that's confusing. Or like another thing, which I think is such a faux pas is like introducing like too many products that Mm -hmm. don't align. You know what I mean? It's like, that doesn't make sense with like who you are like core as a brand, right? Like for example, you could have gone the route where it's like runner's leggings by set, yeah. you know, but it's not who you are. And I think it, it really does con- confuse the customer. And I think that staying really focused is what pays off. And I actually think that if that's something that a brand wants to do, it's almost better to start like a subset brand, you know? So it's like just, it's different and it's not confused. It almost, it's like, has like a different name. It has like a whole different identity. And that way you're not confusing the consumer. hundred percent. You know, like, and it's like, I I actually read this in a marketing book that I was um, looking into, but it's otherwise I've never seen it done with brands that build the cult followings, you know? Totally. Yeah. Anyway, talk to me about like really tangible tips that you can give to entrepreneurs about building a community today. Like what are like two to three tips you can give them? 
understand your community, understand what's their demographic, what are their interests. I remember when we first started getting followers, I would like click on every single follower and like look at their Instagram feed, see what they're into, what their lifestyle is like. You have to understand your community if you are going to market to them. If you don't understand your community, there's going to be no alignment whatsoever and the customer is going to drop off and they're going to go find the product somewhere else. I would say that's like the biggest one. Yeah, I, I agree, by the way. And I have to say, like, I, I've said the story before, but early days, and I'm talking like pre-launch, Nish would go on his motorcycle to deliver product to people if they lived in the same city as us. And it was the smartest way for us to understand truly who our customer was. And I think like you creeping them on social media is essentially the same thing because you you learn a lot about them. Yeah, you do. And I, I would always just like ask for feedback or I would say like, hey, if anyone's like willing to test a product, like DM me, like it could be anyone. It doesn't have to be a friend. And I think I just like really started to connect with our customers and our consumer. And it really helped me understand like what it is that they liked about set and like what set us apart and all of those things. I think the other thing is too, is like understanding like that sometimes the feedback that the community is giving you is like constructive and it's like they're telling you what they want. And sometimes you have to block out the noise and like block out like what all the opinions and everything and like really try to hone in on like, what is the customer asking? What do they want? And see if that's feasible and if it makes sense for your brand and ask yourself those questions. Don't just do it because the customer says, well, this is what I want. You have to go through a series of questions and, you know, make sure like, does it make sense for the brand? Does it make sense to the consumer? Is it in line with the brand? Is it something feasible to make? Does it match the, you know, the core values of what the brand is? You have to ask yourself all these questions before a decision is made. And if you can answer a majority of those questions with a yes, then that's usually a green light to start the kickoff meeting. And I'm going to take this a step further. And I think it's the same when it comes to decision making and you have a team, because I think like it's really important to listen to what everyone has to say. But at the end of the day, like I think making a very like logical kind of well thought out decision is important. Totally. I mean, I have like a a funny story, like obviously trends change and things come and go and fashion and all of that stuff. And it was... I want to say like a month or two months ago or a month or two ago, I like bought a pair of stirrup leggings, like, you know, horseback riding leggings. And I wore them into the office and I was like, I'm going to wear these. I kind of want to see what the office has to say about them. And some people are like, those are so cool. They're so chic. I love them. And some of the people in the office were like, what are you wearing? Like, take those off immediately. And I was like, oh my God. And then it's funny because right before this podcast, I had, we had one of our trend forecasting meetings where we said, down and we go through with the trends that are coming and for the next year or two and guess what was on there stir up leggings stir up leggings yeah they're they're gonna blow up you don't need to tell me you need to go march into my office in west hollywood and tell them that that's what you think yeah i know but it really is because i was just in courchevel and literally like all the luxury ski stores like they're like fitted ski pants. Yeah. They have, the, strap. have the stirrups. It's, it's insane. It's like, coming back. And yeah. that's the thing that I've always felt so confident in. Yeah. I don't know how, I know you're probably like, well, how, how do you find the trends? Like, I can't answer that. Oh, I I'm the same. I think you, as a founder, you just have intuition. Yeah. Like I cannot tell you how I know the things that I know, but I just know. I just know. And it's, I have something to say after that, but basically the team was like, no, you can't, you we're not making these. And I was like, okay. Like, and then I was like, you know what? No, I think we do. So I like pulled Abby, our production manager aside. I was like, Abby, don't listen to them. Get a sample made. <laughs> and she was like, okay. And then we had the trend meeting. I was like, don't worry. I already have the sample being made. Joke's on you guys. But it's it's true. You know, you have to have intuition. I was getting my nails done earlier and I wanted this perfect, perfect, perfect lilac color. And I was showing her the Instagram and she's like, we just don't have it. And I was like, let's mix it. And she was mixing. I was like, okay, I think you need to add this color in. And she was like, no, I don't think that will work. And I was like, no, 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 I, I <laughs> promise you have to add that color and it has these undertones and then it has those undertones and she's like how do you know this and I was like that is my life understanding undertones of colors is my every single day I sit in color meetings all day and I'm like that needs more brown undertones that needs more green undertones and everyone's like how did you see that I'm like I can't explain it. Oh my God, that is so funny. Well, I mean, your entire business is a color drop. So if you don't know, 
who the hell does? Don't ask me where I learned it, <laughs> where I got it from, because the answer is I do not know. Well, the thing is that it's really interesting, right? Because even, I mean, we I was on your podcast right before this, but you asked like, oh, like you were never in the wellness industry and like, well, what made you decide to get into it? I don't know. I just, I just knew and I knew that I would know certain things. And I remember when I had the idea for Array, I actually went to my dad and I was like, look, I have this idea and I think it's going to be killer. And he's really logical. And he always plays the devil's advocate. And he's like, okay, but like, you're not a doctor. Who's like, why would someone buy from you? And I was like, I just, I just know what to do. Like, I know how to sell a product. And I think that as a founder, I don't know, like you have, you just know certain things. Yeah. It's intuition. It's intuition. So, I mean, there's a stir up leggings. (laughs) Coming from set, maybe? Maybe. (laughs) We'll find out. Stay tuned. (laughs) So talk to me about the first time a really big celebrity or influencer posted about you guys. Like your dream. Like, you know, how was it? What did it do for the company? I don't know if you're allowed to name names, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first major, major celeb, and I'm talking back to like, if any of my set followers are listening, I'm talking back to Blue Crush days, which was, by the way, a beautiful mistake. Blue Crush was going to be this like gorgeous powdery blue color. Mm -hmm. And we approved it. It went into production. And when bulk came, meaning the whole production order hit the warehouse, aka my apartment at the time, (laughs) it was see-through. And I'd, I already paid for the product. And oh. I was like, there's no way that we can sell this. Like, I can't sell this. This is this is a disaster. So I called my production partner at the time and I was like, we have to tie-dye this. And it was when tie-dye was like coming in as a trend. And I was like, we have to tie-dye it immediately. Take it to the dye house. We have to do that because it will hide the sheerness. Mm-hmm. So that's how Blue Crush was Born and then Fruit Punch and I think one other color. And then a picture of Hailey Bieber came out. She was wearing a Balenciaga windbreaker with the Blue Crush sports bra. And her windbreaker was like like unzipped so you could see the bra and then the, the shorts. And there was a bunch of paparazzi pictures coming out. And I was like, oh my God. And she was leaving a Pilates class to go to some lunch or pick up some smoothie with friends. And she looks so cute, so chic. Her hair was like in a, a top ponytail. Like I remember that photo like it was yesterday. And then the second biggest one, which I still have a picture on my phone of me holding up the box, like smiling, about to take it to the post office, was for Miley Cyrus. Her sister, Brandy, is you know, we love her to death. She has been wearing our products since its inception. And she DM'd us. I was sitting at like my second mom's house on the couch. And I was like, Brandy, it's a Brandy Cyrus DM set. So I like opened it. And she was like, hey, girl, like I'm in the car with Miley. Like she's saying it so casually. And I was like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. I know what's going to come next. And she's seeing my orange set. And she was wondering if you, you can send her some. We sent her every single thing we had and the the box was so big. And I remember like printing out the labels, like, do I put it to Miley Cyrus? Is there like a fake name? Like, what do I do? Like I was, it was so funny. And I'm sitting there with Nikki, who still is a part of the company. She was my intern at the time. And she was like, wait, smile. And I like sent a picture to my dad and I'm like holding the package. And I remember feeling so excited, but I would say Haley, Miley, and then Normani was seen wearing it at Whataburger. And I was like, how did she get that? Oh my God. Like, I didn't even know she had it. Um, And that was really cool. And then of course, like Kylie posted in it without no question. I didn't even like, I don't know how that happened in pepper, which is one of my favorite colors. Actually, it was Penny. Yeah, it was Penny. She was like in front of her house or something. And then she requested more colors. And then she started posting like, Instagram stories and our and our sets and I was like this is so cool and I mean I get excited by these celebrities posting and set but my favorite thing and it's something I do every night Sasha our community coordinator like probably laughs because she's in the DMs and what really excites me is the customers wearing mm. it or when I see it in the wild like if I'm walking down the street and I see someone wearing set I get like so excited I get the chills I go on Instagram every night and I like check in on the DMs or if we're tagged I'll be like hey Lindsay here the founder of set like I'm just doing my nightly gram check in and like you look so good in this and like I can I like the customer I mean I'm so grateful for the celebrity you know awareness and them wearing the product and liking it. But I think my favorite celebrities wearing the product are the customer. Totally. I always say that 
you should be treating your customers like influencers, you know, like with that same care and love and, you know, gratitude, because that's what they are. You know, they're telling their friends, they're telling their loved ones. Like, I mean, what we've had with Array with like people messaging being like, oh, like I gifted it to so-and-so or like it was the only thing that helped my mom. And now my mom is a customer. It's so cute, you know, and it's it really is like such a fulfilling feeling, you know, and I'm totally with you. Like having customers kind of show you that support is it's everything. Totally. It's really, really a nice feeling. So I want to talk to you about, I guess, your experience now as a mom, because being an entrepreneur is a whole thing on its own. And now you add a baby to the mix. Like what's that whole transition been like for you? Honestly, It's been a lot in terms of time management, but I was born to be a mom. I've wanted to be a mom my whole entire life. Like I was always picking up kids when I couldn't even carry a kid because I like, I just, I remember like, I've just, I don't know. I've always wanted to be a mom. And I think that stems from losing my mom at such a young age that like I wanted to kind of finish her legacy almost. And so being a mom is quite possibly my greatest joy. Ace is a mini me, maybe not looks like looks wise. He looks just like my husband, but personality wise, he is me. And I, he, they say you don't know like a love, like having your own child and you don't really understand it when you don't have your own kids and then you have your own child and you're like, whoa, and you're knocked off your feet with the amount of love you have for a human. And it's, I like wake up every single day, just like being like, this is my child. Like, I'm so lucky. Managing, you know, being a mom and a CEO is probably the most difficult thing I do. I was slacking during labor. My God. Yeah. So I didn't take maternity leave. And I'm not saying like, I'm not trying to glorify that at all. I think that you should, I am mad at myself that I didn't take the maternity leave. But I'm growing a company that's growing so incredibly fast. It's also a child like, yeah. in its own way. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it is. I definitely, it, it definitely is. But it's, my team needed me to lead still in the time that I was having a kid. And I just, I had to make, I had to make both work. So that's currently what I'm doing. How old is your uh, son? He's 10 months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You should still be on mat leave, technically <laughs> speaking. He's perfect. So what are the, like, like, do you take him into work with you when you're going into the office or like, what are those like little things that you do to manage both? It's routine. I'm so lucky and I'm so fortunate that I have help. And, you know, Daniela, I don't even like to call them help. Like Daniela and Julia are like his other moms. They're, they're, they're like my friends. I mean, like I look at Jake because like I sit and I like last yesterday I was sitting with Daniela who takes care of Ace while Ace was sleeping when I got home from work. And like, I just like, how was your day? Like catching up, we were eating at the table. Like they're not, you know, quote unquote, what people, I don't even, I get uncomfortable when I say the word nanny. They are technically Ace's nannies, but I hate that term. It's just a weird thing that I have. And it's, I call them Ace's girlfriends. And I'm so fortunate that I have them to help, but it's the routine. So they're with, I wake up Ace. I hang out with him for an hour in bed whether I play with him or we get on the floor and play, but like that's my time with him. And then at eight, he goes down, he has breakfast. I go to work. I come home around five, depending on how busy the day is. And then I hang out with him from five to like 6.45 because that's when he goes down. And then after 6.45 is when I'll either spend time with my husband, hang out with my friends, catch up on emails until it's time to go to bed. And that's usually what my routine is Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. And then on the weekend is my time to really spend quality time with him, go to the park, have a picnic, go on a walk. But right now, my favorite thing to do is at at that 5 p.m. mark right after dinner for him. We go outside. I grab a ball. I kick the ball for my dog, Leo, and I hold Ace in my arm. And we just hang out outside because he loves cars. He loves waving to people. So that's my favorite thing right now. That is so, so cute. Yeah, he's the best. I had, and I hate the word nannies as well, but I had like caretakers, I would say, when I was younger. And honestly, they were like my second parents, yeah. you know, like they are. It, they, they are like, and I, I think that there is, 
And like, I, I get it, you know, like not everyone can afford to have help, but like even just family, right? Like, I think it's so difficult to do it all yourself. I have so much respect for the moms that do do it. Yeah, it's themselves. it's it's in like, I cannot even imagine like here yeah. I am, like all I'm doing is array and I feel like it takes everything out of me. I cannot even imagine doing that plus being a mom without any help. Like that's that's just. I also think though, like I was born to be go 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 like mm-hmm. everyone says to me like I don't know how you do it all I don't know how I don't like to sit still I don't like downtime I like going from one thing to the next I thrive off of it my dad always not made fun of me but like would always say to me like just let's just sit for a second I'm like no I want to do the next thing like I played five million sports I did so many extracurriculars like and then of course as you become an adult and do more professional things like I was doing odd jobs here. I was doing full-time jobs here. Like I just, that's just my personality. Mm -hmm. So I thrive in this environment and having a ton to juggle. I would much rather prefer to juggle than to not juggle. What are your productivity tips? (sighs) I don't know. You have any for me? No, I'm just kidding. Come on. (laughs) You're the, you're the mom with the business. (laughs) Um, First and foremost, Jake, my assistant, he's my boss. He runs my life. Without him, I would not be able to function. I don't know how I was functioning without him and at all. He runs my calendar. He moves things around. He schedules my appointments. Like he does home stuff. How did you find a Jake? Because I'm looking for a Jake. (laughs) So any hiring tips for Um, PAs? (laughs) So Jake was a beautiful mistake, I would say. Long story short, my best friend Nicholas, who works at SET, was like trying to convince me to hire a organizing company to organize Ace's play, not playroom, nursery before I gave birth. And I was like, you know what? I'm really bad at organization. I should just do it. Me and loving to connect with people, I, of course, like stayed. And Jake and this super sweet girl Tatum came to my house to organize Ace's nursery. And of course, it was 20 questions for me. I'm like, so like, what do you what do you guys like to do? Like, what's how'd you get into this? Like, just, you know, that's just who I am. I was asking a million questions. And then it like basically... Jake was like, I don't know, like, I I love doing this. And I was like, great. And like, we just formed a friendship and connection. And he was like, I'd love to pick your brain on like, how to start a business. And like, maybe I might want to start my own organizing business. So he came into my office. I pushed him to do that. He quit his job with the company he was at, started his own organizing business. And then it was time for me to move. I bought a house with my husband and we needed to pack and unpack. So I texted Jake in my phone. He still is in my phone as Jake organizer. I texted Jake. He's probably <laughs> Jake looking at is me. Here. <laughs> Jake is here. Jake He's is- like, we're going to be changing that after this. <laughs> so Jake, I texted him under Jake organizer and I was like, Hey, like I was looking for someone to help me like pack up my house and move my house. And it just like, he was there for everything. And he helped me pack up my house and unpack. And then one day, he just, he always knew when I was stressed, he would be like, you seem stressed. What's going on? And like, he just picked up on a lot of cues that I didn't verbalize out loud. And I looked at him and I was like, how do you feel about like being my assistant? And he was like, uh, I'm not sure. And I was like, okay, I'll ask you again tomorrow. And so he, the next time he came back to organize, I was like, so have you thought more about uh, being my assistant? He was like, I mean, it depends. Like, what does it entail? Like, a normal question you should probably ask. And I was like, oh, right, right, right. I'll get those details for you. <laughs> so then I got the details and from Allie and I was like, this is the position. This is what you'll be doing. And this is how much the salary is. And like, do you accept? <laughs> and he was like, I have to talk to my wife. And I was like, oh, okay. The next day I was like, so do you accept? And he was like, yes, yeah, I accept. I signed the, I signed the offer letter. And literally ever since then, I don't know how to do one thing. He oh does my it God. All, yeah. So. I, need, I need a Jake. Yes. Jake, if you ever clone yourself, let me know. Hit me so up. So long story short, hire someone from an organizing company. <laughs> Apparently, this yeah. is where everyone's going to go now. <laughs> yeah. So back to productivity tip. That's my productivity tip. Tip is find a Jake. If you can't find a Jake, I'm old school. I write everything down. Same. But I write everything down and I also 
do it digitally. So I have my calendar and then I write what I have to do. I check every Monday. I look at what my week looks like on my calendar. And then every day when I wake up, I look at what my day looks like and I start mentally preparing for like the flow of what that day is going to look like and like what mindset I sort of need to be in. If it's a, you know, a creative heavy day, then I try to get in the creative mindset. And if it's more of a logistics and strategy type of day, then I like, you know, get into that strategy mode. Do you batch your days at all? Or no, it's like a little bit of everything. Um, it depends. I It kind of naturally happens. Some days it's a super creative day and it's all about conceptualizing because I am still the creative director of set. So I'm involved in a lot of those meetings. And then some days it's a lot of operations meetings and it, some days it's jumbled. It, it really just depends because at this point, any minute, any 10 minute, 15 minute, 30 minute hour, I can get on my calendar. Jake fills it with something. So now it just kind of depends. Cool. If you could leave our audience with one tip about being an entrepreneur, what would it be? I would say this is something I always preach to everyone is view failure as a good thing. Failure is an opportunity to grow. Failure is an opportunity to change. And failure is an opportunity to like just learn more about yourself. And once you view it as a good thing, so many doors start to open up, whether you realize it or not. If you see failure as like a big fat F, it's a fail. You know, we're taught our whole lives that you get an F on a paper, you get an F on a test. It means you failed. But that's just an opportunity to change and learn and do something differently so that you can take it to the next step, whether you're in school, whether you're starting a company, whether you're at a job, it's an indicator that you have to change something up and do something a little bit different to try to be successful at it. And so that's my biggest piece of advice. I, I actually love that tip. And there's a really like good reframe that I think people can take away from this is like, how is this happening for me as opposed to to me? Because I think that two is like, you're the victim of like some circumstance that's happened. But it's like, if it's for me, then it's like, okay, like, what can I learn from this? How can I get better? Like, how can I pivot or whatever that is? So I think it's a great lesson. And I think that if you want to be an entrepreneur, you better be ready to fail and have your arms wide open waiting for it to come to you because it's going to happen. You it's know what I mean? Happen. In like some form or the other. And I, I can't wait for it to happen. Like I now look forward to the failures because I'm like, that's going to be the the next step to like what's going to work. A hundred percent. Lindsay, this has been a joy. Tell everyone where they can find you. You can find Set Active on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter under at Set Active. And then you can find me under Lindsay Carter. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week.